left my family. I left my kids. I left my nightclubs, my parking company, $35 million to fight the fight. And both families, Gambino and the Bonanno family, Joe Messina, the boss of the Bonanno family, I helped him against the guys who were ratting against him. He turned state evidence into worldwide. His underboss, Sal Vitale, came in and he ratted. The captain, Frankie Copa, he ratted. And alongside them, there was other guys in their family that ratted. Along with my family, the boss, John Gotti Jr., he ratted. Ronnie Warnham, you have the opening statement. He ratted. He said that I would kill him if he wasn't nice to me. After I tried to help him beat the case. Mikey Scars, DeLonardo, John Gotti Jr.'s right-hand man. He ratted. Greg De Palma, another one of John Guy's made guys. He ratted. Fat Dom, another one of his made guys. He ratted. Mikey Scars had Joe, little Joey D'Angelo and John Jr. had him rat because they turned on him. He had nowhere to go. Another guy, Mikey Scars' brother, well, they, they buried him. So he had a flip. He had to come in. And I won't use the word rat for these guys because these guys were left in no man's land by all the captains, made guys, giving these guys up one at a time. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Mafia Truths with John A. Light. I'm Felix Savine. To my right, star of the show, John A. Light. And today, before we get into it, a quick reminder, subscribe to our Patreon channel if you haven't done so already. All our members get all of our merchandise at a discounted price. You get all episodes early, bonus content, monthly Q&As, the opportunity to ask John any question under the sun. So make sure you go check that out. The link to that is in the description of this video. And then also, of course, like this video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Leave a comment. If you've got something good to say, Those comment, that comment section is, uh, is often crazy. But uh, we appreciate all the love. And also, we've been, uh, as you guys know, we've been selling these signed custom bats by John. I think you can see them right there. Uh, they're really cool. They've been selling like crazy. Uh, we're getting a new shipment in soon. So if you're interested in getting one of those, you can now purchase them directly on johnalight.com. If you have any issues with that, you can reach out to me at felix.levine. And we've been also looking to sell uh, a bunch of different merchandise, including signed baseballs uh, that John has right here that he signed one of these. Um, I think you can check that out right there. It looks pretty good. Um, so if you want a signed baseball, a signed bat, we're also going to do signed photos. Um, and also John has a new book coming out very soon. Uh, if you want to tell them about that real quick. The uh, book is number four by Lou Romano. It's, uh, I believe, it really gets that in the thick of the mafia. Uh, here in, in this country, out of the country, it's an international book. And uh, we'll dive more in depth of the mob more so than incidents after incident in the Gotti's Rules. So I think it's a phenomenal book. I love the way it's done. Lou's a great writer. And I'm really looking forward to it. We're pre-selling it starting this month. And uh, I'm really looking forward for people's input on it. And we're going to be doing, uh, I know if, the, if you just want to purchase a copy of the book, you'll be able to do so on johnnylate.com directly. Or if you want uh, a signed version of the book, I know a lot of people are commenting and reaching out about signed copies of John's books. Uh, I believe johnnylate.com as well. And again, if you have any, any issues, you can contact me. 
uh, at Felix.Levine on Instagram. And then really quick, uh, KCL Automotive. Um, John, talk to you about them. And I'll give you the phone number. KCL Automotive is a full-service uh, mechanic shop, inspections, tires, body work, anything that you need. It's a one-stop shop. It's a 98 Henry Street, East Stroudsburg, PA. Uh, ask for my cousin Steve, David, or uh, Chris at the front desk and mention the show, and there's a 10% discount. And that phone number is 570-534-8497. And then last but not least, if you're listening to this right now on Apple's podcast app or Spotify, please make sure you just rate and review the show five stars and leave a comment. That would go a very long way. All right, let's get into it. Um, I haven't heard this story. You were just telling me a little bit, uh, a little bit before. It sounded pretty interesting about some of the uh, stuff that goes on uh, but you know, behind the scenes in, I don't want to say behind the scenes, behind the bars in jail. Uh, I think the term you used was spaghetti wars. <laughs> so I'd love to hear about that. Spaghetti prison in prison. Everybody thinks everything's so serious. So, you know, the mob guys like to be like washwomen. So I guess when they have nothing better to do, when we go into these prisons, there is a, it's pretty intricate. Actually, some of the things that we do in there. But, you know, I've been arrested for bribery of uh, some guards that I think most people are aware of. It happened in Allenwood Prison. Mostly everybody whose name ended with a vowel was locked up by the warden there, and we were in jails for about, in, in the hole, most of us, but I was in a hole for about a year uh, because of the bribery and what was going on. But it's not as simple as that. So you have guys from every family. Like on the street, you know, a lot of times guys are killing each other and this and that. In jail, there's a lot of friends. But then there's also a lot of hatred. So there's nothing better to do. So these guys will meet on a bench and will conspire on how we're going to steal spaghetti. And, you know, we call them the spaghetti wars because the guys are like washwomen. They actually are mad because if you got a guy who has a hook in the kitchen and we place guys, you know, in the prison throughout. And I'll give you some examples. And it was some funny stuff. So the staff of a jail will have certain events and they'll buy themselves better grade of steak, obviously, if we, if we have steak once a year or twice a year as a, as a holiday thing or something. I mean, it's cheap steak, but it's steak. We have guys in the kitchen that start a month earlier and start switching the steaks out. We take all the staff steaks <laughs> and the worn steaks and we switch it for the inmates. And the inmates will take that steak and throw it in the garbage, but it'd be wrapped up. Now you have the next guy that works in the kitchen that throws out the garbage. So he'll take those bags and he throws it to an outside, you know, um, bin. Those bins are, are also moved by another inmate who takes that bin and he walks it down to throw it out into the main trash. Before he gets it to the main trash, there's runners through the complex that clean and, and sweep and this, and they have garbage bags. We pass it off to them and then they hustle them to the units. So... And we, we all have hooks, each crew, each family. each and So sometimes one of us will get our hands on, say, 30 pounds of, of pasta, and they don't share it with the next guy, or this guy from one crew doesn't like the other guy. And they actually go, well, you know how many fights there was over this, over, and we call it the spaghetti wars. And, you know, the guy will put a beef in, so we'll be down, you know, mostly the guys from the mob will sit in the same section, whether it's in the yard or whether it's in the library, we'll all meet. And this, we call them the spaghetti wars. And guys would actually have, instead of having sit-downs now about 
who were robbing, who got killed, or this. They're actually sitting down about how the split's going to go on the pasta. And guys are saying, I ain't splitting shit with this guy. I can't stand this piece of shit. And, you know, they, you know, there's some violent fights over it. And then some of it, it's just, I'm not talking to this guy. So you're walking down a compound and you're friends with Bobby, whatever. But what? That's over here. And Bobby's not friends with Frankie. And you're like friends with both guys. And the guy says, what are you doing talking to this guy? I don't talk to him. And this really actually goes on. And the guys in the mob are like, I, I mean, it's, it's childish. But how much of it is, is like strictly out of boredom as opposed to like legitimate beef? Well, that's the thing. They're bored. They got nothing to do. They got nothing to feel important. Of. So they lower themselves to <laughs> food and pasta now. And who's controlling the guy in the, in the kitchen? I mean, it's, it's as simple as this. You work in the kitchen. You're my personal friend. I knew you from the street. I tell you, Felix, give me all the pasta you got. <laughs> and, and then we'll take it. And, you know, we don't sell it. We just keep it for ourselves to eat. And we bury it somewhere within the units. And we eat with, amongst our friends. So if there's seven of us, there's seven of us. The other guys are pissed off that you gave them. So somebody might step to you and say to you, hey, I want the pasta. And you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he, I know you gave uh, Joey all the pasta. And he's, well, you're going to have to talk to Joey. So now one guy is maybe a skipper on the street. And when you come into jail, for people that don't know, they say leave the badge at the door. It doesn't matter what position you have in jail. It's not recognized inside. But guys still try to carry that weight inside. So... Joey from this crew will go sit with this guy from that crew. If we're from the same crew, you, you, you know, you share it. Well, you don't let the guy know. You know, you try to hide from him if you don't like him. But for the most part, but these guys actually go at each other for this pasta or this whatever. Usually it's a pasta because that's what we do on a regular basis. We're all trying to eat pasta and we make different sauces and, and different things. And guys that are, are good cooks get their hands on this and they'll cook for, you know, a group of us. And they're like, you know, fuck that guy. I ain't giving him no pasta. So, so there are times where they, like the inmates cook? Oh, we all cook. We don't hardly go to the chow hall. So, you know, they guys. Let, they let you have, like, all that stuff? Well, we can buy commissary and we cook certain things, but then we steal the rest. So, okay. you know, you, you're talking about criminals on the street. What's <laughs> going to make us stop stealing inside? And, you know, just like the jobs we have on the street, no, the union jobs, the no-show jobs, yeah. we do the same thing in jail. <laughs> you know, I had a move. <laughs> it was my job. Every other weekend. I pushed carts to the, to, you know, I was throw out the garbage. I wouldn't even do that. I'd pay somebody else to do it for me every other weekend. <laughs> I'd send them $25 to his books and he'd do my job for me. So, you know, this way you can go play handball. You can do whatever you want to do. This is, you know, this, all the hustle of the street is still inside jail. You know, we're still gambling. We're still betting on games. We play handball. Me and my partner used to destroy everybody in handball. So we play every group and everybody's betting on the games, 500 a game. And it's the same thing with 500 a game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we take it serious. <laughs> we'd get up in the morning. We'd work out six in the morning. How are you guys going to give each other the money? Just commissary? Oh, no, we make moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. commissary <laughs> from the street. We're passing money back and forth. I mean, there's groups of guys that sit in, on the indoor courts when we're playing inside in the winter, especially in McKeon. And they bet on us, and there'd be, you know, 40, 50 guys watching the game. That sounds kind of fun. Oh, it's serious. Oh, and it gets serious. It's like, you know, we think we're in, we're, we're, we think we're in, we're in the finals of the PGA or, 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 tennis, or tennis. But, you know, we actually get up in the morning. We'll take a, a, a Tylenol for the aches and pains. We'll drink coffee to buzz us up. And we'll play seriously about, you know, 10, 15 games a day. And, you know, you know, oh, you're exhausted, but, you know, you're in good shape. I mean, you got nothing else to do but work out. We're doing 2,000 burpees a day, so we're in shape. You know, so, you know, this is our, our routine. That sounds we like run. a more fun jail than anything. 
That sounds well, more fun than most like of the other stories you've told me. Yeah, jail's not, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm trying to, jail sucks, but you make the best of it. I mean, yeah. you become a professional workout, you know, you're running, you, you, you're playing handball, you, but everything's a move. You're supposed to be working, you're supposed to be in the unit, and we're still hustling. You know, they're trying to lock us down, we make ways to get around it. You know, we play chess all day. Listen, like I always say, most of these guys can't count to 10, but yet they're good chess players. You know, I sucked. I used to try to play chess, my friend used to destroy me every day. And, you know, so you got some of the jail, but jail's just a, a move. But the, the pasta wars is the best. It's classic. Anybody that's been to jails knows exactly what I'm talking about because it's an intricate system. It's not like everybody thinks. You know, we're making moves all over. Some of the guards are good. They'll, they'll walk out of the room and say, I don't see nothing and leave. Some of them we got to do it behind their back. You know, some of them kind of help us in a way. You know, they feel bad. They're like, it's only food. Let the fucking guys eat. So, you know, but it's... The actual bullshit about the guys like Washwoman is incredible. On the street, the guy's killing 10 guys. In there, he's like a bitch. Oh, don't talk to Tommy because he don't talk to Frankie. I seen Bobby talking to Billy. Then why is Billy talking to Tony? And this is really what they do. You got to scratch your head and say, are these fucking guys serious? <laughs> fucking, you're supposed to be a boss with this crew. You're supposed to be a skipper over here. This guy's a fucking hitter. And they're talking about little girl shit. Well, why is he sitting? No, I'm telling you, I seen the guy walking the track with him today. Nah, he didn't walk. I'm telling you, go ask Freddie. Freddie's seen him walking. This is what they do. And you got to you, you laugh at them and say, and then you got another guy, you know, he's doing laundry for another guy, and that's how we're moving food. And, you know, they don't, you know, so you got to get around, the, you know, and you're getting shaken down as you're going through. And we know what gods are better than others. We know what gods are lazy. So we know when to make the move to move the food. Then we got to safeguard it before the holiday to make sure we have it. And then on the holiday, you got guys going the next day. Hey, did you hear these guys? Frankie, Bobby, and Tony, and Nino, they were all eating like kings. We didn't get a fucking pound of pasta. Imagine this. Oh, I'm going to step to him. I'm going to the yard. I'm going to crack his fucking head. And you're laughing. I said, is this guy kidding me? Oh, they made a cheesecake the other day. They, they didn't send none over to you? You sure? Well, they, you know, I know Joe sent it over to the Unit 4B. He didn't send you a piece. He sent the other guys a piece. Are you kidding me? Does he got a problem with me? And this is what they do. And, you know, and everybody's laughing their ass off. But yet, this has been going on for years. And anybody that's listening to this in jail has got to be dying laughing because they know this is what goes on. What was your biggest, like, uh, score in jail? Score. <laughs> we, we robbed about 60 steaks from that fucking, she was a no good bastard. And Alan, which she locked us all down. And, uh, she, you know, we had the place to, sh listen, if I was her, I would have just shoved it under the rug because it just showed how incompetent she was because she was a drunk. And she, you know, she put me in a hole forever. She chained me to a desk. I think I told oh, right. her. I, remember her. I was having seizures. She wouldn't let me go out. She chained me up in, uh, in my underwear. And I was, I was real sick at the time with uh, epileptic fits. I had epilepsy. And, uh, but she should have just shut her mouth because the, the jail was out of control. <laughs> you know, we had cell phones, we had food, we had this. I mean, we all got charged with it, went back to jail for it and got violated, violations and everything. But I mean, it was, you know, we look at it as not serious, it's just food. And then one guy wanted to get his wife pregnant and another guy got his wife pregnant. And you know, these are things that, you know, the women are getting older, they want a baby. It's not, we are hurting anybody. We're not bringing heroin into the prison. We're bringing in pasta and, and olive oil and, and, and lobster and whatever else we can get, fish. And, and, you know, one of the cops got caught. He ended up trying to set me up. Wait, so how'd you get 60, 60 meat? Uh, 60 because they have these big 
things that they come from, you know, the Bureau of Prisons, BOP, they have these meetings and these special occasions and they have, I guess, whatever they're doing. So they treat themselves well, right, with the, with the government money and they buy, you know, decent steaks. So we start stealing them. So that's as where all our taxpayer money Well, you got to remember, the, the, the inmate. yeah, I mean, the inmates, say you come into our prison, you work, there's inmates that work in the office of the, you know, the, the, the they call unit teams. So you might be working for the unit manager or the secretary or you're cleaning the office or you're working and you're doing paperwork for inmates that are being transferred. So we get manifest, we're getting paperwork, we're hearing things. So one guy tells another guy, tells another guy. And same thing with the parties. We know it's coming. As soon as we know it's coming and the food slowly comes in, we're slowly taking it. You're not taking it at all yeah, in, yeah. in the first day. You're taking 10 steaks, 20 steaks, and then we got to hide them. And then you got to keep them on ice so it doesn't ruin. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, you ever watch, there's a show called Hogan's Heroes for the older guys. And it's like a Hogan's Heroes. It's funny, you know, because we, we, we got all kinds of moves going on. And, you know, it keeps you busy. And you, know, <laughs> and you get to eat good. So. Wow, what was the best meal you ever you ever had in, in jail? When we had the guard, when I had the guard, Kimmer, we scorned flesh. <laughs> and at one time, my friends got a laugh, and uh, he's in the unit with us, and he's a wrestler, and my friend used to wrestle. So we entice him. This is before we have him on the take yet. And we entice him. It's like 2 in the morning. And he lets us out, and we're all talking, and they start wrestling. So he takes all his radio off and... One of the sergeants is doing rounds. He comes in and he sees us all wrestling on the floor. <laughs> what kind of jail are we in? We got the guy's hat. We got we got all the guy's nightstick. We got all the shit. And he went crazy, the sergeant. He says, get back. And then, you know, he reprimanded the guy. But six months later, I got the guy in my pocket. So, you know, I'm, I got him bribed, you know. And uh, I got caught in a sting operation. So the whole time I'm meeting him, actually, we're on film wherever you think. You know, they got everything wired up. So when I pull up, they got me from the minute I show up. And uh, one of the guys, Charlie Ray, was giving information to, uh, to a feds, and he, he got a woman to come in. And he was actually around. Uh, Danny Marino was a captain in a Gambino family who okayed him to us. So the guy's good. He was his cellmate. But meanwhile, the guy was an informant, and he was wearing a wire, and he brought uh, – he never got me on tape, but he got other guys in there. He, he got a woman to come in and say it was his wife, and she was – Sting operation. When was this? 1998, about in Allenwood, yeah. Wow, so they're still trying to get you when you're... Oh, they got me. <laughs> Not trying to get me. They got me. I mean, guys opened their mouth, and they got caught and whatever. And I told the guard the same thing. Don't trust anybody but me, and you won't have a problem. But he started getting greedy, you know, venturing out, and this is how it goes. And when you say, earlier you said uh, bribing um, guards... What was, I mean, how did, how did it like, you know, kind of step-by-step step go when you're, when you're. Well, you do the same thing. I always, he, he liked, uh, you know, sports and magazines. So when I was getting magazines, I brought, I had mailed in the magazines I know he liked. And when he wasn't in his office and the door was open, I just leave him on his desk. And then he'd ask me, you know, I'd rip my name off and the address so they couldn't say where it came from if they got the magazine. And, you know, we'd leave a, a dish that we made, a pasta dish, and we'd leave it on his desk. And he'd ask me, is that yours? Because they knew it was mine because it came in the mail and he works there. And I'm like, nah. And he goes, I know it's yours. I'm like, it ain't mine. And then I kept doing it. And then I got friendlier with him and then we're trying to move him, talk to him a little, joke with him a little. I mean, we really did like the guy. He was a nice guy. He wasn't like an asshole nothing. There was a couple of good guys like that. And, you know, and we're not asking him to do anything serious. And that's my cell. Listen, I'm leaving jail now. My friend's there. I'm not asking you to bring drugs. I'm not asking you to bring food. It's the big deal. 
And then I asked him to bring sperm kids. Right, I remember. So he can get, yes. And, and that was a big case. And it was all over the news. They made a big deal about this. I remember I read that article. And they said, I'm helping all the made guys, blah, 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 whatever nonsense. You know? Yeah. Do you want to talk about that or no? I mean, you know, it's, it's news where, uh, you know, it was, uh, I think it was in some, it was in a big magazine. It was on TV. It was on Fox you can News. Look at, you can look it up. George Anastasia, you got to look up 1994, I believe. They did a, a TV series, not a series, but a 15-minute a segment. This is before George knew me personally and uh, George Anastasia, the writer of my book, Gotti's Rules. And he did a show on, uh, on Mob Stories that he does out of Philly with his partner, uh, Dave. And uh, they did a thing on this about how I was bribing, you know, guards and how we were getting uh, uh, friends, wives pregnant with insemination. And I was going, when I came out of jail, going to the city, to the doctors, to the clinics, and we were freezing it. And then the woman would go there and try to get pregnant. Oh, well, hold on. Now, now explain the process, though. Like, where First, like, the birth of that idea, for lack of a better word, the birth of that idea. Um, you don't know about pregnancy? They never taught you when you were... No, no. no yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, where, where first, like, who's coming to you with this idea of, like, oh, let's do this, and then from that point on, then how do you go from, you know, A, B, C to D? So what happened was there was an inmate, serious gangster, he did a lot of years, did a almost 30 years in prisons. You know, no doubt, tough guy, gangster. What he did was in another jail, he somehow got his wife pregnant. And when he came and transferred to our jail, he told us how he did it. Now, when he had a visit, he's been in jail for years, his wife came up with a baby. <laughs> what he should have said was before he left the jail, he already had the sperm or he right. saved in a, in a sperm bank. He didn't say that. Or he should have said they adopted the baby or something. Well, he couldn't have said that because his wife was coming up uh, pregnant. You know, so that wouldn't work. But he should have said that he had it already saved before mm -hmm. he left jail because he knew he had a case. He never did that. So when he brought it to us, I said, oh, that's a good idea. And I started talking to my good friend. And he, he got you know a 15-year sentence about. And uh, I was very close with him. I was close with his father. Both of them were in jail. And he asked me, would I help him when I go home? So his wife, because the time he got home out of his sentence, his wife was going to be older and maybe she wouldn't be able to have a baby. So this isn't something bad. I mean, you know, when people say, I mean, it's funny now that we talk about it and, you know, a woman wants to have a child. The right. husband's not able because he knew she loves her husband. They know they're going to have a future together. And they said, you know, will you help us? How would I say no to that? Right. So I said, yeah, all right, no problem. I said, what do you need me to do? So what I did was I went to, a fertility clinic, and they give you these kits. So I would meet the guard, and I'd bring them food and, you know, whatever else, bottle of wine, you know, lobster. How do you ask to go to the fertility clinic? Well, I don't go. Somebody in the family went. They set it up with the doctor, okay. and they just say, one of our relatives is going to drop off. I don't know what they told them. If the husband was in jail, I'm not sure. Now, they probably never said that. They probably just said, you know, whatever reason, the husband's not coming okay. here or whatever. So this is like, you know, everybody watches the movies and say, does this really happen? Of course it happened. We did it. I guess, you know, you watch the movie. There's an article about, if you guys are listening right now or watching, there's an article, uh, if you search it up, that they can find and it talks about this. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all over there. I mean, there's videos out. Yeah. There's news shows on it. There's magazines. There was newspaper. Yeah. They drove me crazy. I mean, it's this. a crazy story. Wait, so finish. So, so then... They tell the they tell the fertility clinic the family tells the fertility clinic that so it's gonna be dropped off right so when I bring up the lobster and wine and 
food in a bag, I meet the guy on his lunch break. He meets, meets me across the street. It's a lizard park, actually, it's like a zoo, the guard. And I come with a custom van. I see him go in. I drop the bag off to him. What do you mean you come in with a custom van? I got a customized van, so that, you know, with the curtains, oh. everything, so I can see when he comes in. I'm just hanging out. I bring my kids up. Okay, I okay. go to a, it's a zoo. It's a lizard <laughs> zoo. So I make a little thing with my kids, so it's kind of cool for them. And then whatever, it's a three-hour drive up there. And I meet him, and I give him the bag. Now, the reason why I bring the custom van is because it has TV and couches and everything. After I give him the bag at lunchtime, he brings it in. I give him his money, and I give him a kit. He gives it to the inmate. The inmate fills up the kit. So this is right when you had gotten out. Yeah, I just got out. Okay. Now, he fills up the kit. And then at the end of the day, the guard brings back the kit to me, filled up. I put it on ice because it's got to be on ice. Oh, really? So I get it on ice, and then I drive it to the clinic, straight to the clinic in the city. Gotcha. And they put it in, they save it, so it can be inseminated. And, you know, they keep trying till, you know, it, it's successful. Gotcha. Okay, so that's what I was confused about. So it was basically you, once you got out, wanting to help, I guess, a former friend or inmate, uh, you know, help his Well, his he's wife my get... friend for years. I'm okay. friends with the family. I mean, his son's... Right, right, right. You know, his, like, his so you wanted to help, and then you basically... I guess the the part that's like the bribe is when you're is with the prison guard. Well, you know the movies I was gonna say before is like you know they talk about good fellas and look how they're eating and everyone on Harry Hill everybody shaving garlic. I mean we really do all that with shaving garlic <laughs> and good fellas. Everybody knows Frankie Burke and Burke family very close with me and so to them it's movies. To us this mm -hmm. is the reality of our life and everything we do is a move. Right. So why would we stop when it comes to something like this, which right. is not hurting anybody? I know that law enforcement has to stop it. So at one time when we eventually, the guard calls me at three in the morning, calls my father. I knew once he called my father. My father said, it's an emergency. I said, oh, this guy is wired up. And he's trying to get me on the phone. I refused to talk to him. I knew I was done now. So they got you on this. This was the- this Oh, I got to go on this too. Right. So, and, and there's nothing to catch me on. It's just me, him and his wife, really. Gotcha. And uh, another friend that never gets locked up for it. How much time do you get for this? Uh, not the violations. Uh, I think uh, I got three of, I think four months. So you still, a, I mean, you still got four I, months for basically. Well, the problem is you, it's a year basically because I got house arrest. And then after that, it was jerking around. I got four months. Then I got another, wow. then I got out back on house arrest. And then I went back in again on a violation. So yeah, it's a pain in the ass. It but kills it's this, you for two years. But it's, this is, and this is just because you wanted to help your friend out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't for money or anything like that. I was giving money. Was there ever any, like, did you ever, did, do you regret it? No, no. I mean, I mean you know, it's, 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 it's still giving up years of your life for something that you didn't have to, like, you didn't have to help him out with no, this. No, I, I mean, listen, it's just part of our life. It's my friend, and, you know, he, yeah. you know, he would have did it for me in situation, and, you know, there was some serious situations in prison. He jumped in when it was serious situations with that guy, Joe, I told you, Mecca. Uh, I, we talked about him. And by the way, I said that apology on another show. I didn't really have to say anything bad about Joe. Joe's a nice guy. I shouldn't have really, I, I, I said a couple of things I shouldn't have said. I don't know why I said it. Because really, he's a, he's a decent human being. He's not a bad guy. And, you know, but those fights turned into something serious. That did. And the same guy jumped in. When you say something me. serious, describe it. Oh, afterwards, everybody knifed up after Joe's fight. Wow. And uh, then we went to the day room and the odds were, were really against us and there was uh, about 10 guys against me and only two guys stood with me and one of them was this guy Yancey uh, out of Hollis uh, Queens 
that should have been on the other side, but he stayed with me. He was a good guy. And what was the nature of that beef? Over nothing. It was over just uh, bullshit. You know, like most jails, over you know, you could get it. Things jump off for almost anything, and if you get into the wrong guy's hands, and and the guy that actually I fought with was uh, a tough guy, big guy, Muhammad, another guy that's out on the street, Terry, uh, it's in construction business, came into. These are all black guys. Terry's a friend of mine, nice guy, great guy. He came into my pizzeria when we had a pizzeria in my family, and uh, he was recounting the story. He didn't know I owned the place with my family. And he was telling somebody else the story, and I walked in, and he was surprised. And then we hooked up again, and so it was funny because he brought up these stories too. You know, they follow you. Listen, jail stories follow you. Everybody knows each other. It's a small community. Are there any other, uh, maybe most memorable jail stories? Uh, violence, or you know, I mean, violence. There's, there's... how free? How frequent is the violence? Oh, it's jail's always violent. I like, mean, you know, like listen, if you how have... many times a week are you getting into a fight? Me, myself? Yeah. No, not that. I mean, I got into, listen, <laughs> I'm a little different, I think, than the average. I'm always fighting. I fought, in, I was in Fairton, I fought there. I went to Allenwood, I fought there a couple of times. I went to... Is it you instigating usually? No, nah, it's usually me sticking up for somebody else, actually. So Fairton was me sticking up for another guy. Uh, you know, the guy, uh, Jackie Denosio had a fight with Louis Ricky, who just passed away. And uh, uh, Bobby Brooksy, who was another guy whose father hung around for years. And he was having a problem with him, and I, you know, I tried to step in and stop it. And then they, they sent me messages from the street to jump in, so I jumped in for that one. So that's me helping out. Uh, you know, McKean was uh, incidents with, uh, you know, it's going to be in my book. We talk about uh, Ali Calabrese, who we hurt. One of the acting underbosses in Chicago, I end up slapping him, putting him in the snow, and. So he's another guy, he opened his mouth, he was, you know, a lot of these guys, they think that position's gonna help. And, you know, they run into wrong guys, they get hit, they get knocked out, no one gives a shit, especially in jail. And if you're really from the street, you ain't let nobody talk to you like that. So the guy went from my friend to become my enemy and he just talked stupid. And I don't get no props that hurt. I mean, at the time he was 50 years old, he was 35 years old. I, I didn't even wanna hit him. But, you know, these guys, the incident with uh, Joe Gambino and then Ali Calabrese, we hurt him bad. And uh, basically, uh, he never recovered from it, and he dies. But, you know, they bring him up, and the Irishman, he was around Tommy Sanito, who was a gentleman, was like a captain in Cleveland, and I heard he became the acting boss or acting underboss in, in Cleveland in those days. But he was a gentleman. Tommy was there with us. So these are things that go on. I mean, this is jail. Things jump off over nothing, and you go from a peaceful week to all of a sudden a lot of violence, and that's just every day in prisons. Sounds like your your best. I mean, the the best outlet, um, both emotionally, physically, everything was handball or you know some kind of physical well, exercise. You know, we run a lot. You know, you do. I love to run. Well, I did like to run, and uh, you know, I'd put in five seven miles a day, wow. and you know, so we'd run, play handball, work out, burpees all day. Like I said, depending on the prison, we were doing two thousand burpees. At, you know, Insane. so we do them straight as usually as a group. Stretching of us. after you must feel like your body must be in shambles. Uh, I didn't really stretch. <laughs> Everybody said you gotta stretch. I was a lazy bastard when it comes to stretching. Thought it was a waste of time. I do a lot of pull-ups. We used to do a routine, three or four guys. You do uh, 10, 15 pull-ups. You get down. You do 25 push-ups. You get down. You do sit-ups. You do squats. You do uh, dips, and then we'd circuit three or four guys at a time, and we keep doing the same thing. Did you feel like your time over? I mean, all the time that you did ended up going pretty quick, quickly. 
I mean, you know, it depends on what's going on in your life. And that's why I tell kids, it's not the time that kills you. It's the family stuff that kills you. You know, the stress. My, my uncle that was like my father passed away when I was there. He had a heart attack. I lived with him in California. Uh, my grandfather got sick. My grandmother got sick. And then later on, my father, different bits, they got sick. My kids, uh-huh. you're not seeing. My son uh, broke his fever at the time. Uh, he was in a body cast. I wasn't home at first. I wasn't home when my uh, middle son, Johnny, got, was born. I came the next day. So, you know, missing everything with your family and the, the uh, serious, you know, uh, you know, some of the cancer people in my family got, uh, my sons and uh, mother uh, got sick. And, you know, they say wife or common law, what everybody's always got something different. But, you know, uh, we have kids for 30, you know, years, 30 something years, but together 40 years. And uh, so when when uh, she got sick, it's, these things are devastating. So uh, those are the things that make time go slow or very stressful. Uh, not the actual time in jail. I mean, time sucks, but you make the best of it because you have no choice. But you ain't going nowhere. You ever thinking about like, oh, I have this amount of time left, or? Yeah, you try not to do that. The last month must go pretty slow, no? When you know you're close. Yeah, you start well, because everybody has the matches. You try not to do it. You start thinking about yeah. I'm short. But the biggest thing is when you're in jail and there's people that are out that have been in prison, you're always waiting to get indicted again. Really? Always. Because you know there's like murders that were involved. Of, oh. <laughs> you know, there's Rico cases. There's guys flipping. You're, you're not doing easy, you know, like just relaxed time. I mean, some guys do because they know they never did shit. Yeah. But the guys that are out there that are violent, you know, guys like, you know, I've talked about like Tabita, say. Anthony's a good friend of mine. You know, these guys have serious cases, so they know things are looming over your head. Mm-hmm. You're never going to lay down and relax. You know, when they picked me up in Allenwood for the, with the, the sperm thing, when I was on the compound, they locked me up for almost a year in a hole, and I hired lawyers to find out. And my message back, legal le- letter from the Institute was, uh, we can't divulge the, the, uh, the investigation if it's internal or external because it, it uh, compromises the investigation. So in other words, you know, fuck yeah. you, we're not telling you. Yeah. So you're sitting in the hole saying, all right, I killed a fucking million people. I shot, killed. I got involved in robberies. I mean, who knows what you're going to get? Life sentence and you're in solitary confinement. That makes it difficult yeah. because you don't know when you're getting out. So, you know, even when you sign that agreement, you, you say, okay, uh, you know, I'm ready to, you know, end this stuff with this life. You don't know when you're getting out. You know, nobody tells you that. So your, your life in, in, the, in, the, in jail is stressful because you don't have a number and say, okay, I'm getting out and it's over. Did you ever feel or like were 100% certain that you would never be free again? Oh, yeah, you always feel that because so many guys are ratting. I mean, think about when I was in Brazil penitentiary. I don't want to cooperate. Obviously, I left. I was willing to give up all my money and property because nobody would have did that. And uh, go on a run to protect my enemies. And they're all cooperating. They're all meeting the government. They're all making deals. You know, they're making excuses why they're meeting them. You know, these are ridiculous things. You know, like I always say, you know, oh, I only slept with it because I made a mistake. I mean, what is that? You went in and you, 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 you're talking to the government. You're at. Yeah. So when I'm sitting in those penitentiaries, I'm saying, oh, I'm done. When the list of made guys were all cooperating and Junior Gotti is cooperating, uh, and you're sitting there saying, oh, I'm finished here. These guys know I did all the work here. What's that like for you, like, when you're, I guess, having those conversations with yourself, like, I'm finished? Like, what does it, is it like a suicidal thought? Is it a... No, you know. 
it's just like... It's escape thought. That's why I was fighting to stay in Brazil penitentiaries, because you're able to make a move, and we tried to escape on a regular basis. We were right. trying everything, because it's, you know, you can bribe there. A lot easier, and you can make moves. We we had plots to blow up walls, to blow up gates. To All right, tell me a few about the a few of these uh, escape plans. Well, you know, a lot of the stuff is you know I did some filming that's going to come out in a, in a couple of months about Brazil and the filming. We're doing a TV series now with about Klaus. being on the run. Yeah, on the run will be out shortly. They're filming right now a TV series uh, about mine and Klaus's life in in Sweden, Denmark. For people who don't know Klaus. Klaus is uh, one of my drug partners since uh, the early 90s and helped me uh, move around the world and uh, helped me get uh, passports out of West Africa and gave me connections with some senators and the councilmen in those countries. And he helped me get on ships. He did a lot for me. He's one of the biggest drug deals in the history of, he is the biggest drug deal in the history of Denmark, and but throughout Europe. So uh, we became best friends and like brothers and we travel today even. And we're doing a lot of things together with shows and movies. So he was with me. Coincidentally, he ended up in the same prison as me in Brazil. Do you know him and before that? Yeah, yeah. I know oh, okay. him since 90, 91, 91. So, you know, and he's, that's why he helped me move around so much. And then so what were some of the plots to, to make the great, um, big escape? We had so many. We, we, above us is a catwalk of armed guards, machine gun, military police. And we were bribing some of them, and they were helping us cut the bars on the other side. So that was one. Now you have when you say we were bribing, like, do you have money with you in jail? Well, we had moves to get money to the guards from the from the jails to the street. I sent eight hundred thousand to Brazil, and one of the guys, Marco De Pinto, uh, got friendly with Gotti. Gotti told him to to give me up, which he did. He sent all my paperwork to the prosecutors. He did a video for Gotti actually. Set my kept my eight hundred thousand. And tried to give me a life sentence and ratted me out on his okay and but, told me he was going to protect him. So wait, when you say I, I gave him eight hundred thousand, like how did you get that eight hundred thousand to him? Bank transfers, wire transfers. My and friend Mike doing, Jacobs. Okay. Well, Mike Jacobs put all the paperwork out for the people that were questioning. They put it all over the internet, all the bank transfers, all the paperwork. Uh, Interpol uh, got involved. The prosecutor's office got involved, so everybody knows factually the eight hundred thousand was sent to this guy. And uh, this is the same guy that I helped save his life. But he got pushed, I guess, by Gotti to help give me up when Gotti was meeting the government. And this was part of it. So, you know, he wow. did videos from his own YouTube, some nonsense that he said about. But what they forget is all these UK guys, guys from Turkey, from Italy, we're all friends still. Hmm. So these guys have started to come out and do interviews and talks for me and tell the truth about what they heard. So you pay the guy 800000 for what exact reason? He's going to help. Well, at the beginning, he actually was doing the right thing for okay. me. When he, he was in prison with me, I protected him. He got out on the street. He was bribing cops for me. He was making deals to get them to move me. I had another part where military police moved me, what they call boppy. They call them, they're like, a, we used to call them ice cream boxes. It's a small box. It's completely, there's no room at all. And military police take you, like four of them would follow us and they took me from one jail to another. When they took me, I had another guy, Marco, that was in on it and I was supposed to get him 500,000. They were supposed to fake a shootout with me, release me in the street and I was supposed to take off. And this is one of the, the uh, times where Marco ends up screwing me. He doesn't meet him to, to meet them. Now the one military police, you gotta be careful, you can't trust them, but one I'm very close with. 
So I knew he wouldn't kill me because I said, well, maybe if they get the money, they'll actually release mm -hmm. me and kill me and say I was trying to escape. And, it's, and then, uh, you know, obviously I'm fucked. Uh, another time uh, I was up in the mountains in another jail. And, and uh, where? In Brazil, in, a, in Capo Grande. I paid to get there. I paid 40000 to get myself to that prison. And who, I was on the third floor. You, uh, again, I went through some of the, I, I got some attorneys that were involved. I got Marco that was involved. I, I paid some military guys that were involved. It's not an easy yeah, system imagine. and you got to navigate it. And uh, But I ended up on the third floor of a prison and I put a hole in a wall. We said that it was done through one of the wardens, which actually was a good guy. And he thought I was actually doing it to put an air condition in there. He had no idea I was really going to use it to escape. Wow. And, and how, how big is the, is the hole? Uh, it was like you could fit in it. Yeah, I could just get through it. It was that they, tight. But they they knew what was going on. Here. Well, the military police I had there was only two in this jail that was above my section. I had one on a bribe, the other guy I couldn't get to, and he told me, "Listen, you're just gonna have to take your chances." If I said the problem was I couldn't time when he was gonna be near that section because he did round, so I used to stay up there on a rope and uh, try to watch him and to see what the count was so I can go out. But when that was happening, the United States came back and got me on a private jet, the Gulf Stream, and they, they took me out of the system. Uh, or I had one more day and maybe a day and a half and I could have did it. If I would have did it before that, I'm up in the mountains. You're with lions, yeah. you're with, you know, you get eaten up. I don't know, you know, where you're gonna go. You're in the middle of nowhere in, in the jungle. So that, that foiled, me and Klaus had 10 other plans with a couple other guys, it was six of us, were, where we put our money together and we, we try to blow up the wall at one time. On a, We go out to the yard once a month in our underwear, no shoes, or naked, one or the other. And the problem is there's all snipers, uh, you know, guards up in the towers. So we didn't know how to tell, we had motorcycles on the other side of the wall. So we didn't know how to tell them when to blow the wall. So we had to get to one of those military guys on the, on the circuit and we couldn't get to them. And the idea is if they blow the wall and we're too far, even if we run for it, we're going to get clipped by them upstairs. Or if we're too close to the wall, we get killed. Or other guys are walking around the yard too. Mm. We could kill them. So, it, it, you know, a lot of these plots, they, I mean, these are nonstop though. We're, we're constantly doing it. I think we should, well, you know, on the Patreon, uh, again, shout out to the Patreon, we'll uh, maybe go in depth on some more of those plans that you had yeah. with Klaus. I think that'd be a, a, an interesting one. Um, but I think that that's a lot of information for, for everyone out there. I hope that, uh, hope that was informative. Uh, another quick reminder again, Patreon, we're going to talk more about this stuff. Um, maybe some more jail escape stories with Klaus, uh, especially because, uh, that docuseries is coming out. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and then of course, if you want signed baseball, signed bats, all that good stuff, it should be on johnnylike.com right now. By the time that you're watching this video, if you have any issues or questions about anything, uh, again, reach out to me at Felix.Levine on Instagram. And uh, anything else, John? The yeah. book. Uh, I got the new book coming out, John A. Light, uh, Mafia International. That'll be out uh, pre-sale this month. And uh, June 9th on National Geographic, me and Anthony Ruggiano on a, a segment of uh, the Gambino family, John Gotti Sr. and the drug business. And uh, shortly after that, in the next couple of months, there'll be another segment out uh, with, called On the Run, I believe. I'm not sure uh, what uh, station that'll be on yet. And uh, the TV series with me and Klaus that is uh, in the middle of being filmed uh, with uh, some actors that are playing us. 
from Sweden and Denmark and the UK. Yeah, I think that that'll be fascinating. People will love that. Yeah, Klaus is a fascinating yeah. story, great life story, and yeah. uh, great guy. I mean, I owe my life. He's done a lot for me. So perfect. Well, uh, thank you guys again. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, all that good stuff, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. See you guys.